Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I wonder if instead of a siren, you heard a trumpet sound. And I wonder at the trumpet sound how secure you would be that you're out of here. I wonder if it would grip you with fear, with excitement, with exhilaration. I wonder what your emotions would be if the siren were replaced with a trumpet sound. How can I know that I know that I know that I'm ready to meet the Lord? We're going to talk about that today in this, this study of foundational things. We're talking this morning about eternal security, and it's everything. As I shared with you last week, all of this hinges on the inerrant word. And so, if the scripture is true, and it is, then these foundational principles are true, and we need to know them, walk, walk them out, and know where to find them. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look together at verses 13 to 14, and a couple of other companion scriptures today, but Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 is our main text. Follow along with me. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were, watch this, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Well, four things today I want us to glean from this text about eternal security. First of all, it's the fact that your salvation is in response to the gospel. It's in response to the gospel. Look at the first part of verse 13 again. He says, And you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So what's the gospel? Well, Romans 3.23 tells us that we're all sinners, that we're all apart from Christ, hopeless in our sin. Romans 6.23 says that, we're, that the wages of sin, the penalty for our sin, is death. And short of the rapture, every man's going to die. Romans 5.8 tells us that Jesus died for all of our sin. And John 14.6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one has access to the Father, comes to the Father, unless they come by me. Romans 10.9 tells us that if we confess with our mouths, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Simple, simple concept. In fact, it's as simple as ABC. It's as simple, and I've used this for years, it's, it's as simple as admitting that we're a sinner. It's as simple as believing that Jesus is God's son, is who he said he was, believing that he rose again, and confessing him as our Savior and Lord. It's as simple as that. Couldn't be a simple process. It's, it's how the Holy Spirit uses the gospel, he says in verse 13, to draw us to Christ. We weren't drawn on our own. We didn't seek out the Lord on our own. It's the Holy Spirit that drew us whether for you it was in a church service, at a revival service, at a, at a youth conference, on a mission trip. Regardless of where you were in the setting, it was the Holy Spirit that drew you. Understand that. He, he draws each one of us to Christ. And he uses the gospel, either the gospel presently presented or the gospel past presented that he brings back into our minds, into our hearts. He uses the gospel to convict us of sin and to draw us to Christ. We don't earn it. We can't earn it, in fact. It's, uh, we can't buy it. We don't absorb it. it. Doesn't matter how many times you've been in church, how many verses you know, how many, how many places, places you've served. 
you don't absorb Christianity. You don't, you don't absorb a relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. Many will find that to be a hard truth to solve because they grew up in church and have never really prayed to invite Jesus into their life and believe they're a Christian and believe they're going to heaven because they've been in church all their life or because their mom and dad was a Christian, because their grandmother was a Christian, because they went to a youth conference somewhere and, and cried some tears, may have felt some things, but has never been convicted by Jesus that I'm lost, I'm a sinner, and, and I need a Savior. And so it's the Holy Spirit that does that, and, and we can't absorb faith. We, we have to initiate that with Him. We're not entitled to it. We don't deserve it. It's all the work of Christ at the cross, but we have to respond to the gospel. We have to respond on our own to the gospel. We will stand before him by ourselves one of these days, not with whoever led us to Christ, not with a pastor, not with a spouse, not with a friend, not with a parent. We'll stand before him by ourselves and, and deal with him as we have dealt with the gospel. Uh, that's the what. Now the why to all that is a simple verse of John three sixteen: For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the why. Because love, God's love sent his son Jesus to the cross. So your salvation is not your own. It is your response to a gospel that existed before you were born. So I understand that. Secondly, your salvation is sealed in Christ. Look at the, the last part of verse 13. When you believed, you were, watch this, marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You were marking him with a seal. Now, this seal has a twofold purpose. The twofold purpose is, first of all, to identify, and secondly, is to protect. Uh, that, that's how gated communities work. If you live in a gated community or have vacation in a gated community, you pull up to that gated community and you either have a pass or you have a code. You input the code or you, or you have a pass at the gate and it lets you through. Same, same, same type deal here with, that he's talking about here with how the Holy Spirit gates us gives us access to a place that we wouldn't otherwise deserve to be or deserve to go. It's the Holy Spirit's work to do that. Uh, he, he, he seals us and, and identifies us as belonging, as, as, as worthy to come in. Um, he seals our souls at salvation. Uh, he, he does that to say that, that he is mine, that she is mine, that, the, that we are the Father's possession by the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he does that in, 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 in and of his own self. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Let me read that again. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The advocate in this passage we talked about is the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, that's who he's speaking of. So then he comes to take up residence with us, to identify us, to identify who we are, who we are and how we are to respond. Uh, he, he, is, he is our brander. He's, he's, in fact, in a couple of weeks, as you pull up the driveway, you're going to see our logo out here on the front of the building here in a few weeks, our brand to, to identify to the community who we are up here on the hill. The Holy Spirit does that for you. He identifies your brand. He, he connects you as a, part of the, as a part of the brand, as a part of the family. To where when you are in him, you are in, you're riding for the brand. And, and so that's, that's his work to identify us and to, and, and to, to seal uh, that into us. He also has the role of protector. Now, we need protection, first of all, from the enemy. 
He is, he's constantly trying to steal your joy. He's constantly trying to steal your influence uh, to make you feel different about your faith, to, to believe different about your faith. And he is so uh, obnoxious to tell us that if you don't feel saved, you must not be saved. Because if once the emotion's gone, what happened to the spirit? Did the spirit leave you too? Why do you, why do you not? I can't tell you the number of days I've not felt saved in my life. In fact, they probably outnumber the days that I do sometimes. But we don't go, friends and neighbors, based on a feeling. We go based on the promised work of the Holy Spirit. Not, not on how we feel, because how we feel is not real. It's just how we feel. So he'll, he'll do that to make you believe you're lost uh, and to cause you to question where was the joy of my faith? Where, where, if I'm sealed, what was I sealed to? What, am I not supposed to feel better about this? Well, yes, but we're in a pagan world with an enemy that seeks to devour us, the scripture says. And so he's coming after us. That, that, that's, you can bank your faith on that. Uh, he, he also protects us from a pagan culture that wants you and any part of your faith, any symbol of your faith to be done away with. That's why symbols are being taken, across, taken off of public buildings all across this country. Is, is, it is an attack on your, an assault on your faith and mine to say, you can't say that in public anymore. You can't walk that out in public anymore. You can't believe that in public anymore. And um, I've been trying to think of a nicer way to say this besides that's just a bunch of crap. <laughs> and so as such, you and I need to, to, to look, at, look at walking out our faith in, in bolder ways, not to be obnoxious. In fact, we need to earn the right to share our faith. If you haven't earned it, don't go plastering somebody's face with, with the gospel. But if you've earned it, if you have a relationship with others and God opens the door, man, don't be intimidated to, to, to go and share your story. God will use your story, your, 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 your own personal salvation to story to, to change theirs and to change their world. Change someone else's heart, their eternity, their future. So, the, but we are, we are in a culture that wants to el eliminate us and silence us and keep us still and keep us on the shelf, keep us separated from public discourse. So if you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a seal on your soul and nothing else can take it away. Hear that. If you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, your, your soul has been sealed and nothing can sever that. Nothing or no one can sever that, ever. Don't forget that. You're sealed in Christ. Thirdly, your salvation is response, in response to the gospel. It's, it's sealed in Christ. Thirdly, your salvation comes with an inheritance. It comes with an inheritance. Look at the first part of verse 14. The Holy Spirit, verse 13, verse 14 says, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Guaranteeing our inheritance. So what is this inheritance Paul mentions here? Listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So his inheritance, this inheritance then is not a, something tangible. It's not something you can drive. It's not something you can live in or walk into. It's not something you can wear. It's not something you can own. It is the shared glory of the, of the Lord Jesus himself as an heir with him, a co-heir with Christ, so that we share, Romans 8 says, in his 
glory. So the inheritance then is sharing in the glory of God. Uh, that's, that should be significant to you and I because it's not, it's not a process of, of uh, uh, division. A person uses here on earth uses their will to divide their estate and say this one gets this and this one gets this. This one gets this much, this one gets this much. This, this inheritance is really not division, but it's multiplication. Think of it as this. Any uh, uh, only child, you're the only child in your family, any only child, you're the only illustration I can use now. It's like all of us are Melissa. It's like all of us get it all. Melissa gets it all. All, all, all her parents are state, all, all that's left, there's no division. It's just multiplication. It multiplies into her lap. And we need to see this inheritance as multiplication, not, not division. In other words, there's not a set amount, and it gets divided millions of ways. There is a set amount, but we all get that same set amount. We all get the, the amount that Jesus gets. So it's not a divided inheritance. It's a multiplied inheritance. We all get it all, as if we are only children. Now, <clears throat> if, if you get that, that should be for you another one of those moments. When you can see the inheritance that's coming to you, that's yours, that's, that's promised to you as a child of God, that you didn't work for, you didn't deserve, but it's coming to you, uh, that will take you back. These two passages in Ephesians and Romans re uh, re reveal those things to us, that it is the glory, it's the kingdom that's not parted out, but rather we get it all. Uh, this is, it is an inexhaustible inheritance, meaning Hebrews and Revelation both say this, that it's inexhaustible, that it never runs out. It, it's never spent. It's never, there's never a limit to it. Uh, but that comes, our, our salvation does with an inheritance. Finally, not only is your salvation in response to the gospel and sealed in Christ and comes with an inheritance, but finally your salvation is a forever promise. It's a forever promise. Look at the last part of verse 14. It says, the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Until the redemption of those who are God's possession. He's talking here, I believe he's talking here about, uh, in the latter part of verse 14, about the rapture of the church. The calling out of the church. That's when Christ returns and the redeemed, he comes to redeem all the saved. The dead in Christ first will rise up, Scripture says, and those who are alive and remain will be called together to meet the Lord with them in the air. Uh, I believe that's, that's this redemption that he talks about in the last part of verse 14. So the Holy Spirit then seals us until the inheritance kicks in. When the inheritance kicks in, this inheritance at the rapture, your salvation is sealed all the way to that point. You're forever changed. Uh, we, don't, we can't earn that. It's not based on merit. Uh, and then we also can't lose it based on merit. If you are still one of those that believe that heaven and hell is based on a scale, if I do more good than bad, I'm going to heaven. If I do more bad than good, I'm going to hell. I want to encourage you, as we looked at an inerrant scripture last week, Find that in here somewhere. Go look for it and find it. I'm going to tell you something. I've searched for it. It doesn't exist. The scale's not there. The scale is, is what the enemy wants to plant in our mind to say, you know what? You remember such and such? You remember this conversation? You remember cutting her throat? 
Remember walking out on him? Remember how you handled that situation? Remember how evil this turned out to be? Remember? 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 There's no scale, folks. It doesn't exist because if it existed, we're all toast. I'm telling you, if the scale exists, we're all, we're all on, on the low end of the scale. And as such, it, this, this forever promise that you and I are made here is based on all the work of Christ and not our own work, uh, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, if, it's, if it's not based on merit, then we can't lose it based on merit, and that's true. The grace of God says that even though we break our commitment to him, he never will with us, ever. That the security of our salvation is a forever deal. Now, if that's true, and it is, what should that say to us about guilt? Guilt has no room in the life of a believer. We feel it because we allow the enemy to tell us something that's not true <clears throat> about ourselves. That guilt, every bit of it, 100% of it, is originated by the devil himself. Understand that. He's the master of it. He wants to plant it and stir it up and pour it, pour it, and pour it again and again into our mind. But if we know Jesus, you and I are guilt-free because we've been forgiven. So if you're walking in this place, in this world, with a heavy load of guilt, um, you didn't hear that from the Lord. You didn't get that from the Word. You got that from the enemy. So let me conclude with this, with this challenge. If the enemy's told you that your, your behavior somehow has severed your relationship with God, what you've seen and read today should tell you that he's a liar. If he's told you that your behavior has somehow severed your relationship, you've done more bad than good, or you've done the impardonable. And I prayed about sharing this with you or not, and I think there's a reason I should, so I will. Because somebody may be here today that needs to hear this. If you've had an abortion, you're a believer. That does not sever your faith. You've been sealed. with a seal that can't be broken. I don't know what the enemy's telling you about that. I can guess what he's told you over the years. What, what God's word says is you're sealed. So walk away from the guilt of that today. Leave it here. and walk away in victory. Because if the enemy's told you that your behavior somehow severed your relationship, he's a liar. And I hope what you've seen today proves that he's a liar. Because God has sealed you. Now, just because he holds your salvation intact doesn't mean we don't need to repent of our sin. Doesn't mean we're sinless, we're not. Doesn't mean we don't need to repent, we do. When we're disobedient. But eternal security is an absolute. It's not negotiable. And I hope you've seen that and discovered that here today. And it's yours, if you know it. Do you know it? 
If you don't know him, I pray that the gospel that we started with, that's so simple, becomes reality to you today. If you already know him, walk it out. Live like the fact that you can't lose it. It's, it's yours to keep because of what he's done for you, not what you've done for him. Let's pray. Father, we're here today in various stages of brokenness, each of us. Some, are, some of us have broken hearts. Some have broken down bodies. Some have broken minds, broken spirits, broken feelings, broken emotions. And the enemy wants to stir the pot of brokenness to help us see what we're not. Would we look him in the eye today and say we already know what we're not? But because of Christ, because of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, we are who he says we are. Not who you say we are. We are who he says we are. So today in this room, would you step in and heal our brokenness? Would you speak to the fact that we're not all that and we know it? We admit that to you today. If we're here apart from relationship with you, would we seek you out today and find you before we leave this place? If we're here and our relationship is wounded and we, we feel like we've been shelled, our, our, our voices have been silenced, would we gather some boldness today to, to realize again and afresh we're yours. We belong to you. We're heirs, joint heirs, have an inheritance that can't be broken away from. It's ours because we know you. That we share together in your glory. Meet us here today. Remind us of the truth of the fact that if we know you as our Savior, nothing, nothing can change that. Nothing can sever it. No one can say or do anything to, to change that, make it any different. Sometimes we don't feel safe. We may not feel safe sitting here in this room today, but we are if we know you as our Savior. Because you're as good as your word, even when we're not as good as ours. Help us to walk out the truth today of knowing we're yours, living like it, believing it, acting like it, speaking like it. Give us a boldness walk our faith out this week in ways that are uh, would have otherwise been squelched and intimidated and silenced. But because we know you and because we anticipate your return, we want those around us to know you too. So give us a burden for those around us that are lost, maybe fa even family members that are lost without, without you as their Savior. And open the door of opportunity and conversation this week to share with them your love. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 